Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome to those of you who are gathered with us here in the room. Welcome to those of you who are, who are joining us online. We are glad that you're here today. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that that's true, that, uh, that God meets us right here, right where we are, whenever we gather together to worship him. And, uh, and if you're watching right now, we believe that God is with you, right where you are. Uh, whatever you've got going on, whatever's happening in your life, uh, God cares about you and is with you. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful that God meets us here in reality, not in some uh, imaginary place, not some other, uh, not like on the top of some mountain where we have to climb and get to him. God comes right to us, right where we are. And I am so grateful for that. Uh, Let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, meeting us right here. And uh, as we gather together to worship you, uh, we are grateful that uh, we don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to, uh, or, you know, like pretense. We don't have to pretend to be be anything other than what we are today, God. Uh, Thank you that we can just be honest with you about all that's going on in our hearts, in our lives, all the stuff we carry with us into this time and place. And uh, God, you alone know what, what that is that we drag in here with us, the, the concerns that weigh on us, the anxieties that we feel, the griefs that we bear, uh, the excitement, the joy. God, all of it, you are aware, and, and we can't do anything but bring ourselves into this moment where our hope, our, our faith, is that we might encounter you, the God who made us, the God who loves us, The God who we read in scripture loved us so much that you gave your son for us. So that by him conquering sin and death, we could be set free. So that today we could have confidence that uh, to come to your throne of grace, to to find mercy and to to find grace and receive mercy to help us in our time of need. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here. We we pray that... uh, that today, during this hour, that through the songs that we sing and, and the prayers that we pray, through the scriptures that we read, uh, through the gathering together at the table of our Lord Jesus, we pray that in all of this, uh, we might encounter you. We might meet with you. So please, help us to have hearts and minds open to you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, Today we've got a special guest, Hannah Peters, come on up. Uh, This is one of those Sundays where uh, for a little while there we weren't sure what we were going to do. You know, we've been blessed here with musicians and uh, between the Svalbars and the Heisals and the Andersons, someone's always available to be here on a Sunday morning until they're not, you know, until Joe gets a new job that's got a work schedule that's, you know, got him uh, needing something like next three weeks he's working and, and Scott's out of town and the Andersons, please pray for Doug and Mary. They've had a death in their family this last week and, and things like that that uh, have kind of kept them out of commission this week. But, um, and so we're thinking, well, maybe we'll just do one of those Sundays where we don't have any music. You know, we've done that before. We like gather around tables and, and share things we're thankful for and pray for each other. And, and uh, some of you really like that. Some of you can't stand that but uh i was i was telling jason and and pastor judy that like oh it looks like we might not have music this sunday and jason says wait a minute I, i've got this friend uh hannah who does music and uh and might be interested and he reaches out to her and she says well sure yeah i, I can help so uh so one thing that I, I i warned hannah about is that uh that we are not big singers here you guys are not the the loudest the most vocal in your uh, in your praise and your worship and your singing and uh it would probably help her if we uh if we 
like turn up the energy or the volume or something on our singing a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm guessing. I don't know. You, you might be fine without it, but uh, but uh, it might be it might be nice. So. Uh, although that might be tricky, because I think the first song is one that I recognize, I knew it. I don't think we've ever sung it here before. I, I knew it from Christian radio and, and from, uh, from a few years ago. But uh, if you're interested, uh, if you're able, let's stand and let's sing as we begin to worship together today.
this one usually sounds a little better with a fiddle, but. <laughs> pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for the ways that, you, uh, that you're at work in our lives. Thank you for uh, opening our eyes, helping us to, to come to this point where we recognize that, <laughs> man, we are not seeing as well as we thought we did. God, you know that as we go through this life, we think we can set our own course. We think we can set our own uh, direction. And man, it, it takes these moments where we stumble, where we fall, where we finally recognize that Man, I, I don't know where I'm going. I, I'm stumbling through the dark here, and we need you to, to turn on the lights for us. We need you to open our eyes to help us to see. God, I pray you'd help each and every one of us to, to go through this life aware of our dependence on you. 
aware of our need for, for you to guide us, for your light to shine, for, for you to light up the path in front of us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you don't leave any of us just alone to wander uh, without hope. But you, by your Holy Spirit, come to each and every one of us, reaching out to us out of love, uh, to draw us to yourself, to, to open our eyes, to, to give us these little hints of your love, of your presence, of your grace in our lives. Help us, God, to, to pick up the clues. <laughs> Help us to, to, to see what you are, are doing in our lives so that we will be open to you. So that as we make our way through our week, we can do so with hope, with, with confidence that the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God of wonders is with us and loves us and has and have made yourself available to us, to empower us, to, to lead us, to, uh, to help us to escape uh, in those moments where we are overwhelmed by temptation or, or, uh, or by evil, by, by danger. God, you provide a way out so that we can, we can be faithful. God, as we're presented with opportunities to, to love and to be generous, to be compassionate, you are right there to, to help us not miss it and to give us the courage in those moments to reach out with your love to people who desperately need it. God, you are the one who, who changes our hearts, who changes our minds. You are the one who helps us to see those ways that we have been, uh, we've just been plain wrong about ourselves, about you, about the people around us. God, in this, uh, or just in the, in the past week and a half or so, we, we've seen such violence uh, perpetrated by people who were just, they were just wrong in their views of their fellow Americans and their views of other human beings, uh, things that led them to pick up guns and do violence. And God, it, it breaks our hearts. And we pray for those who find themselves on the victim side of those encounters. We pray for all of our neighbors who find themselves feeling less safe and less confident, walking down the street, going to the grocery store, going to church. And God, we pray that you will help us to, to come alongside, to, to speak words of, of care, of comfort, of encouragement, to be friends to our neighbors, to love them through these kinds of moments. And God, we, we pray for those who find themselves on the perpetrator side of these things too, who find themselves uh, deluded, lied to by the devil to think that their fellow human beings don't deserve to live, or don't deserve their freedom. Uh, and God, we recognize that so many times we ourselves are, are just wrong about things. And God, we pray that you will protect us from acting on those uh, lies, those delusions, those ways that we are wrong in ways that would harm the people around us, that would hurt our neighbors. God, we want to do what you call us to. We want to love you with all that we are. We want to love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to love others as we have been loved by you. So would you help us, God? Would you help us to do that and to do it well? Would you open our eyes to help us see the light about ways that we might be, in fact, bringing harm to others or we might, believe, we might be believing lies about others. Maybe they're on the other side of a political divide from us or some other divide. And God, I pray that you would help us to live lives of love, to be as gracious toward others as you have been toward us when we were so wrong.
We were stuck in our sin. You didn't condemn us. You didn't reject us like you could have. But instead, you came to us in Jesus Christ to set us free, to shine your light into our darkness, to welcome us into your family, to embrace us as your kids, and to lead us into a life that looks like Jesus. Would you help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. We're going to take a couple minutes, as you're comfortable, to to greet each other. Maybe you want to say peace to someone. Maybe you want to say good morning or looking good. All right. I love this part of the service. I know for some of you, this is your, like, least favorite time because you're, like, don't really want to talk to people. And I apologize. I apologize if that's you. But, um, man, there's a whole bunch of other folks who are just, like, they're hungry for this and for someone to to say hi and to care about them and to extend the peace of Christ to them. So I I love the ways you guys love each other. It's a good thing. And the ways you welcome uh, guests and folks who are new, it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, And please, feel free. Continue these conversations after the service. There's There's... Plenty of time, so we don't have to rush you out of here. Uh, oh, by way of announcements, yes. Uh, if you'd like, you can pull out your smartphone, or if you're connecting with us online, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. Let us know you're with us, how we can pray for you, how we can thank God with you. Uh, anything of that sort, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can give online as well, or if you're here in the room, you can just grab one of those little cards back there by the offering box. Jot us a note, those little green cards, and, uh, and then drop that in the box. And then that way we can be praying for you or thanking God with you uh, or whatever else uh, might be coming that way. Uh, if you, you can still give to help the folks of Ukraine if you'd like. Uh, I would encourage you just to go to ncm.org and click on the little link for Ukraine. Uh, you can get updates on what the latest is there. As part of the church in the Nazarene around the world, there are already pastors, missionaries, folks who are right there in Ukraine and in the neighboring countries. So if you'd like to continue to support them, you can. Uh, yesterday was a great day with the 6K outside. Uh, it was wet, but uh, about 50 folks showed up and decided to make that happen. So uh, if you would like to sign up for next year, you already can. I think, did I put a thing in there for uh, that? Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, so May 20th next year, mark your calendars, and you can get half off your registration if you sign up this week, they said. There's a little promo code. If you go to Valpo6k.com, you scroll down, it's right there, and you can click the link to sign up for the 23 team. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, I did want to let you know that... Uh, our group, uh, just our group, raised enough money and had enough people to participate that over 100 children will have access to clean water through our partnership with World Vision with this. So thank you guys for being generous, for participating, for being a part of what God's doing in the world. And I don't have final numbers for like the whole global 6K, but the total raise was something over $2 million, I think. And I, didn't, I don't remember now how many kids it all worked out to. And donations are still coming in. So if you had somebody that you were donating for, somebody that walked yesterday or ran yesterday in the rain, you can still go to Valpo6K.com and find them in the roster and donate to them if you'd like. Uh, or again, you can sign up for next year. Or you can join me for the marathon this October if you'd like. That's a... a yeah, I'll probably be talking more about that as it gets closer. Uh, there's a joke about people who run marathons and train for marathons that, like, they, they always, they can't help but talk about it. Like, there is no such thing as someone that, like, surprises you with the fact they're running a marathon because they can't help but, but tell the people around them. So, uh, I also, uh, 
we, uh, we continue to have these baby bottles out on the tables for the Women's Center. If you, uh, I saw some of you bringing them back, putting them in the basket back there today. Uh, there's still some on the tables. If you want to take one with you, you can, uh, you can take it. You can pray for the child that's in there who is alive because of the efforts of the Women's Center. Uh, they help women choose life for their children. And so if you would like to, be a, uh, to support this organization that comes alongside women to, to help them as they're making this decision, uh, that's a way that you can do that. And, uh, and you can make a gift. You can give online. You can put a gift in the bottle. You can, you can bring it back. Uh, that's, that's up to you. Uh, I know some of you hang on to that bottle all year and just kind of fill it with change, and then you bring it back when it's full. You can do that too. Uh, and then we are in this, uh, this season leading toward Pentecost on June 5th. We just have a couple Sundays left after today uh, where we've been asked to pray. The Church of the Nazarene across USA and Canada has been asked to pray for God to... Uh, to protect us, to direct us, to reveal himself to us, and, and for the direction that like ministry should take today, in today's world. We don't just want to repeat the things that the church has always done for you know decades past. We want to be making sure we're connecting with the people that are around us today and the needs that are present in our communities today to extend God's love and grace to people today, here, now. So uh, be praying that God can help us to do that. And if God speaks to you about something, uh, if it's for our local church, please let me know. Say, you know what? God just keeps bringing this need to mind or this people group to mind or this way that we could be reaching out with God's love. If God speaks to you about that, please, I want to know that because God might be speaking to our whole church through you. And if God is saying something like that to you just for the church of America or of uh, I guess Canada, for us, probably going to be American, but for our mission field, then uh, there's a little form. If you go to livinghope.info slash pray and you kind of follow the different links, there's a, there's a form they've got that they would love to hear from you and, and uh, have you say, like, uh, here are the kinds of things I think we ought to be focusing on in the next few years. So anyway, uh, and, and if you'd like, there's a, little, uh, there's a little prayer journal out there. You can still grab some of those. And, uh, oh, man, I for- totally forgot to pick up Julian's picture. I-, I had this up here just to remind me of the difference that we make with the 6K. And uh, that's, that's a little child who, in the days, days ahead, will have clean water in her community. Um, it, it is really hard for me to believe that, uh, that there are people right now dying because they just don't have clean water. We just take it so much for granted. Whether you're drinking it out of a water bottle right now or whether this morning you turned on the tap and... and ran a whole bunch of it down the drain waiting for the water to get hot like I did uh, before you got in the shower. Uh, we just take clean water for granted. And there are so many folks uh, living today without access to it. And um, so, yeah. Oh, I did I also wanted to this up here to let you guys know. I think if you participated in the 6K yesterday, you're going to get an email from World Vision saying, you know, you can sponsor the child on that, on your bib. You could, you could every month be giving to their community to help with other things in addition to water. And, um, and there's, they'll be sending you a link with information about all that they do. Stacy and I have, for years now, sponsored a couple of kids. One was, was one on your bib? Is that what happened? Yeah, you sponsored the child on your bib. And I think the next year or the year after that, I sponsored one of mine. And um, it's a good thing. It's, it's interesting to be connected to a community on the other side of the world and know that every month you're helping make a difference there. So anyway, all right, that's, that's one more way that you can be involved. All right, so this morning's message, you've got some notes there, and uh, we talked about praying for protection last week. Today we're looking at direction, and, and I couldn't help but think of the, the ways that we all get our directions these days. When we drive anywhere, when we travel, even if you're just walking, biking, you can pull out your phone, right, and you've got an app on there that you can punch in your destination, and it will show you all the different routes, right? You got these little mapping apps. So we're going to call it GPS, but we don't even refer to it that way anymore. It used to be, you know, you had a little GPS, the separate device, you know, put it in your car. Some of you might still have one of those, you know, and uh, you'd punch it in. Um, now, all, all that stuff is, seems like it's right there in your phone. And, um, 
<laughs> There's a whole bunch of, we've got a whole generation of folks who will never know the joy of reaching into the glove compartment and pulling out the paper map and trying to unfold it as you're going down the road and trying to find, okay, where are we? What mile marker did we just pass? Oh, I must be right about here. And okay, well, this road goes here. And not knowing if there's construction, not knowing if there's a speed trap, not knowing you know, if the road has changed in the 10 years since this map was shoved into that glove compartment. Um, there was this little in-between time. Did anybody remember a, a website called MapQuest? Is there anybody here that... Oh, okay, yeah, some of you are old enough to remember that. Um, where you would, you would do that ahead of time. It was kind of like print, and then you'd like print out, it was like printing Google Maps. You know, it would like give you a little step-by-step uh, -step how to get there and the, the route you had to take. Uh, we live in, in interesting times where things like that just keep on changing. I have the feeling it won't be too long before you're just gonna put on special glasses or it's just gonna be there on your, on your car. Or you're, or you're gonna tell your car to take you somewhere and it's gonna take you there. I don't know. Things keep changing all the time. But uh, this idea of picking a destination and then seeing the several different routes to get there um, has me thinking about these, these two questions that I put at the top of your notes. Do you believe that God has a good destination in mind for you? Do you believe that God has you know, a future, a direction he wants to take you, a destination that is a good one for your life? And do you believe that God can plan the best route for you to get there? Now, obviously, I believe both of those things. I wouldn't be standing up here if I, if I didn't. But man, we face things, don't we, in life that cause us to question either one or, or both of those sometimes. You know, we, we think we know where we're headed. Um, there's a whole bunch of you that are like graduating from high school and, and uh, some graduating from college and that kind of a thing. And you, you kind of have this idea of the future, right? You're like, well, I think I'm going to go to this school. Or I think I'm going to work in that career. Or, I think I'm going to marry that person. Or I think, you know, and as we go through life, we kind of have these destinations, that we, these pictures of where we think we're headed and we're driving that way, and all of a sudden, it's like the road is closed or something. You know? and, we, and we try to route around, and, and sometimes we, we make it, and sometimes we don't. And, and uh, we, we face these roadblocks, we face these hurdles, and sometimes that, that destination just seems like impossible now. And uh, other times, the route that we end up on, you know, there is, it, it is a bumpy road. <laughs> and you face obstacles that you never anticipated facing. You had no idea you were going to lose that job. You had no idea that person was going to die. You had no idea that that relationship was going to end. And it seems like, you know, the picture you thought you had, the, the map you had already printed is just useless now. You, you need something else to get where you need to go. I believe that God has a good destination in mind for each and every one of us and that he can help us uh, to, to find the best way there, that God can guide us and wants to guide us along the way, day by day. I, I've got two stories from the Bible that I want to share. They both, uh, these are two people, they're both from Genesis, um, and they both show like the difficulties of like that whole destination and route thing. The first one is, is Abraham. Um, he's kind of, we call him the, the father of faith, father Abraham, whatever, had many sons, many sons had father Abraham. Anyway, um, and uh, God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, back then, he was just called Abram, like the, short, like the short name there. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So he's going to take a trip, right? God's inviting him. I'm inviting you to move, to make a move, to do something different, to go to the land I will show you. And he promises him, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This language of blessing is stuff that we picked up back in January. I don't know if you remember. Back early this, at the beginning of this year, we were talking about how God wants each of us to be a blessing. 
that God blesses us so that we can bless others, and we can bless our neighbors, bless you, whoever that was. Uh, we, can, we can be a blessing to our neighbors. We can share God's love and God's grace, and that that's what God wants for us. He doesn't bless us just so we can hang on to it. And it starts with this story of Abraham. God promises, I will bless you, and I will bless all peoples of the earth through you. So it says, Abram went, as the Lord had told him. He got up, packed up his, his wife, some of his extended family. They didn't have kids yet, and so this promise he's going to be a great nation is like, okay, if you say so, right? And they go. And we know that he didn't even know where he was going. In Hebrews chapter 11 picks that up in the New Testament as it's looking back at all these Old Testament stories of people who demonstrated great faith. And it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It's like he knew the turn-by-turn directions, but he didn't know the destination yet, right? I cannot imagine. I, I, well, I guess I can't imagine getting in a car and just doing that. Maybe some of you like to do that. Any of you, that's your ideal vacation. We're just going to drive you know, west, and we'll find out where we go. Um, I, I can't do that. Stacy just, was that this last night? She was just booking us some places for this summer, you know, for when we got a little vacation, and we've got to get to a family reunion. It's like, okay, well, on the way, let's go here, and let's go there, and booking the places and knowing where we're headed. That, that lets me kind of feel a little less anxiety, right? Um, Abraham didn't have that. It's like, it's like his GPS was stuck in turn by turn and he couldn't get it to zoom out so he could see where he was, where he was headed. God was just sending him and, and he trusted God enough to go. Well, on, on the one hand, I was thinking like how insane that must be. On the other hand, I realized like that's kind of how we all enter into this life. You know, I mean, we're, we're born and we're brought up and we kind of have a general sense like I'm, I'm supposed to go this way you know I'm supposed to go to school I'm supposed to do this I'm supposed to do these things and and but we don't know where we're headed yet right we we might hopefully know kind of the direction that day is taking us we might make plans but we don't really know yet we're just kind of pushed forward each day into the next day and Abraham like exemplifies this life of faith of trusting God okay God if you say so I will trust you that you will direct my paths, that you will lead me well. And each of us are invited to do that day by day. Uh, I just included one verse here from, from the New Testament out of like dozens that I could have grabbed from, but Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. That's an image that's kind of resonated with my brain for years now. It's like God has made us alive by his Holy Spirit, who grabs a hold of us, who, who helps us to see the light, as we just sang about a minute ago who brings us to this place where like, okay, I was dead in my sins, now I'm alive with Christ, and it's because God's Holy Spirit has grabbed a hold of me. You know, his, his breath in my lungs, his, his spirit animating what was this you know, sin-dead corpse. And here I am alive because of God's Spirit alive in me. So since I'm alive by God's Spirit, I should keep in step with God's Spirit. Um, this word that's translated spirit is the same Greek word, and in the Hebrew Scripture, the same word for breath, for wind, God is on the move, and we are invited to follow him, to keep in step with him. And it might be that along the way, God takes us, you know, we, we might, God might have given us a hint about the direction we're supposed to go, might have even given us a picture of the destination that's ahead, and we're doing our best to get there, but when something happens, like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow where your spirit leads. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you tell me to do. It's not what I had planned for, for this season of my life or for this day or for this week, but okay, I'll... I'll follow your lead, God. I'm going to trust you. God was looking for someone who would trust him when he called Abraham. 
And uh, I don't know if you've ever read this part of the story, but right before this in Genesis, uh, at the end of Genesis 11, right before God talks to Abraham in Genesis 12, it talks about how God talked to Abraham's dad and called him, and he began to move. But he stopped. At some point, he I, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe he just said, you know what, this whole trust in you, God, and not knowing what direction I'm, where I'm going to end up, it's too much. He, goes, he like moves a little bit and then settles. And Abraham then has a chance to get up and move and to trust God, and, and he proves that he will trust God, and he follows him all the way to this land that he was promised. The, the stories in the Bible are filled with people uh, who are imperfect, who have imperfect parents, you know, uh, who um, come out of sometimes some pretty bad dysfunction, and God is able to use them anyway as they, as they keep in step with God's spirit, as God leads them out of where they were into a good future for them. So Abraham gives us that picture of like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to follow you each step of the way, even though I don't quite see the destination. The other story is his great-grandson, Joseph, appears several chapters later in Genesis, and he's kind of the reverse, almost. He, he has a picture of his destination, of where he's going to end up, but the route that he ends up taking to get there is one that I'm sure he never would have chosen, that none of us would choose. Uh, Joseph, just as a young boy of 17, is how we're introduced to him. He's kind of dad's favorite. He's got several brothers. It's a pretty dysfunctional family from the start. You know, you're not supposed to play favorites, but out of these dozen or so kids, Joseph is definitely dad's favorite, and probably because he was in love with Joseph's mom more than some of the other boys' moms, and there were, there were two wives and a couple other baby mamas in the story. It's, it's, it's a mess, all right? And Joseph, as a young man of 17, has a picture of his life, of where God's leading him. He has dreams. And it says in, uh, in Genesis 37, he had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. They already hated him, it says, because of oh, the whole favorites thing. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf arose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered on mine and bowed down to it. What story is that to you tell your older brothers, a 17-year-old kid? His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And it's like, it's, like, it's bad enough you had this dream, then you tell us about it. Like, come on, man. So Joseph's story just does not, it does not go well from there. All right, some of you are very familiar with that story. I'm just going to kind of give you the abbreviated version, right? His brothers decide they are sick of him enough that they want to get rid of him. They're going to kill him. And then one of them says, wait, if we kill him, we don't benefit from that really other than him being gone. And they see these slave traders making their way down the road on their way to Egypt and say, I bet we could get some money for him. And so they sell Joseph to these slave traders and they get some money for him. And then they, they take that special coat he had and they rub it in some goat's blood and they tell their dad, like, oh, look, we found Joseph's coat. He must have been killed by a wild animal. Can you imagine? So sold into slavery, brothers tell dad's dad, your dad, nobody's looking for him. He finds himself down in the, the land of Egypt, sold into slavery, uh, sold to a man named Potiphar, but things are okay there. Joseph lives well, does what he should, you know, lives a life of integrity, of industry. He's like working hard for his master. He's like, okay, if this is what I'm, my situation, I guess I'll make the best out of it. And, uh, and his master notices, and his master likes him, and he, like, gets elevated. He's basically his master's right-hand man until his master's wife accuses him falsely of, of raping her, and, and he gets thrown into prison. That's not a good, you know, like, GPS, I'm thinking, like, rerouting here. Um, he's thrown into prison, and, again, nothing that any of us would choose. But while there, he, uh, again, he 
apparently lives right, blessed by God, and, and continues to trust God in the midst of that, and, and uh, becomes, um, that's noticed by the warden, he begins to help the warden, he basically becomes like second in command of the prison. And, uh, and he finds ways to help his fellow prisoners. There are some there who are having disturbing dreams, he helps them understand their dreams, and, and, uh, and one of them, he's like, hey, God is telling you that you're going to be out soon, you're going to be back working for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Hey, when you do, could you put in a good word for me? Can you let him know I'm in here? I'm not supposed to be. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. The guy gets out, forgets Joseph. Joseph languishes in prison for who knows how long until finally one day Pharaoh's having funny dreams and disturbing him. And, and this guy's like, oh, you know, I, oh, there's a guy. I was supposed to tell you about this guy. I was a cellmate. And, uh, oh, man, uh-huh. I was supposed to tell you about this years ago, but uh, yeah, he's good with dreams, and we could, if he's still there, if he's still alive, we could go get him, and, and sure enough, Joseph gets called out, talks to Pharaoh, helps him understand what God's trying to tell him through his dream, and he's released, not only released from prison, but he ends up helping Egypt through this season of, of well, there's a season of plenty, and there's a season of famine, there's all this uncertainty in their nation, and Joseph ends up leading them through that, and he becomes like second in command in all of Egypt, a prince of Egypt. You should make a movie with that title. Huh? Um, maybe you've seen it. So Joseph is doing, and then finally as this famine spreads, it impacts even the land where his brothers and his father still live. And they end up coming to Egypt for help because they've heard that in Egypt there's grain because Joseph understood that dream and because he helped them to prepare well for the famine. And Joseph, sure enough, is able to help his brothers and his dream he'd had at first comes true. The brothers are bowing down to him. They don't recognize him. There's some Egyptian official. And there are his brothers bowing down to him. Eventually, all is revealed. And they realize it's Joseph. And, and they bring the whole family down so they can live and survive there in Egypt. And then when dad dies, the brothers get scared. Like, oh man. Now Joseph's going to come after us. He was, he was okay. He was kind while dad was alive. But now that dad's gone, he's going to get his revenge. We, we were going to kill him. We sold him into slavery. There's no way he, he can forgive us for that. And so they're, they're terrified. But Joseph, listen to what Joseph says, looking back over a life and seeing how God was at work. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. Like somehow God was able to reroute, <laughs> you know, to, to use what you, this, your evil intentions to bring about this amazing good. God had a destination in mind for Joseph, and he even gave Joseph a hint of what that might be early on, but the route to get there was filled with obstacles and filled with, with problems that, that Joseph could have at any point in time just said, ah, you know what, I'm done. I guess, I guess maybe God can't be trusted. I guess maybe if I'm just going to be Egyptian, I'll just going to you know, live like the Egyptians do and forget about that God. I'll walk like an Egyptian and I'll talk like an Egyptian. I'll not sing the song for you, but... Um, he could have given up, but he didn't. He continued to trust God, and God got him safely through. He was able, it was only looking back that he was able to see, wow, God really was at work. It's amazing that God is able to, to direct us and to guide us and to get us where we need to be at just the right time. So in, the, in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, chapter 8, verse 28, this is a, a well-known verse. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That no matter what happens, God can work it out for good. For our good, for the good of others, for the good of the world. Joseph was able to see that later, right? 
probably, I don't know if he was able to see it at the time. I'm sure when he got sold into slavery, he didn't think, hey, I'm on my way. Yeah, this is the way to, to greatness, right? This is how my dreams are going to come true. But God used that to prepare him and to get him where he needed him to be so he could do the great work that God needed him to do. What do you, what do, you do when life kind of throws you a curveball, when, when someone throws a wrench in the works, when, when suddenly you can't go the direction you thought you were supposed to go? What, what do, you, do you continue to trust God? Do you continue to follow God's direction? Do you continue to push toward the, the destination that God has, has placed in front of you? Or do you just give up? When your GPS sends you the long way around, it might be just an opportunity for you to demonstrate that you continue to trust God. It might be that, that those things that you have to encounter along the way are exactly what you need to encounter in order to be ready for what comes next. I mean, God can work through anything. In, his, in James's letter in our New Testament, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This testing that you go through, it produces something good. It produces perseverance. It helps you to, to be someone who can endure. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Evidently, you have a choice in the matter there, right? You could either continue to persevere and let that complete its work in you, helping you to mature and to grow and to become the person God needs you to be, or you could give up and say, I'm just not cut out for this following Jesus thing. He says, please let perseverance finish its work. Continue to trust God. Continue to put one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. Trust that God knows what he's doing, that he will help you, that he can grow you through whatever it is that you face. Ultimately, God God sees more than we see, right? He sees a bigger picture than any of us can see. I don't know know if you've ever played those kind of of games where you can, like, you can... You can be down in the action, like in a computer game, or you can be down in the action, or you can kind of zoom out and see the whole map, right? And when you're, when you're zoomed in, you can't, you can't see the whole big picture. All you can see is what's right in front of you and what's, what's happening right there. And that's how we live our lives, right? But God can see the bigger picture. And he can see, uh-oh, I need you to move this way because there's a person here that's going to need someone with just what you've, what you've got to, to love them. Who can, you can relate to them, and I, so I need to move you over here and, ah, uh, you know what, you're not going to move unless you, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you're going to lose that job, or you're going you're to go through this difficulty, but it's going to get you where you need to be so you can help this person through a more, this most difficult time of their life. And God sees you through whatever that difficulty might be and gets you where he needs you to be. God sees more than we do. He knows more than we do. His, ultimately, his plans will not be thwarted, right? God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. We just get to choose whether we cooperate with that or not. There's a story, I didn't have time to put it in here, but Esther, you know the story of Esther from the Old Testament? She wins a beauty pageant, becomes queen, and, um, and then her people, the Jewish people, become threatened by this evil dude, and, and she is in just the right place. Her uncle tells her, maybe it's for, for such a time as this, that's the line that gets repeated a lot in Christian circles. Who knows, but for such a time as this, that God might have you right where he wants you, so you get to speak to the king and advocate for your people and, and save their lives. And at great risk to herself, she does that. But he also says, but don't be mistaken, you know, if you don't do this, God will work things out. He will save his people somehow, but it'll be through someone else, and you will miss out on the experience. You will miss out on the opportunity to be used by God. 
My hope is that for all of us, that we'll be open to all the different ways that God directs us, all the ways that he guides us. You know, Abraham uh, had, you know, God spoke to him. He gets visited by angels. He, God uses the, the beauty of God's of creation, the stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore to, to talk to Abraham about his plans for his life. God can speak through anything. Joseph, as we mentioned, had dreams. You know, Moses had that burning bush. Gideon had a visit from an angel and then had these little tests that he put God through with a, a fleece, whether it was damp or not, and all this kind of stuff. David, you know, God worked through his music right, to, to help King Saul, and, and God worked through David's music to bless generations now of followers of God. For thousands of years, we've been singing his songs that are there in the Bible. God could speak through music. For Solomon, he gave him wisdom to know how to navigate difficult decisions. God can work through all sorts of different things to direct us, to guide us, and it's going to be different for different ones of us, all right? That's something I've discovered over the years, is that God doesn't work the same way with each each one of us. He works differently. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. He knows the kinds of things that will get my attention that are different than the things that will get your attention, right? When Stacy and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do, right? Well, I guess before I met Stacy, when I didn't know what I was doing with my life and I was in college and I just knew, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow him. I'll be like, you know, use whatever gifts God gives me to be part of his church and do whatever. And then while I was praying with some friends is when God said, I, I want you to be a pastor. Give me some direction vocationally, right? Now, some of you are kind of thinking about that. You know, what's my vocation going to be? What's my, what's my career going to be? What direction am I going with that part of my life? And it felt like God was pushing me in that direction. And then God confirmed that through talking to other people, right? You, you talk to others around you, and, and people can confirm that. They can say, oh, yeah, I see that in you. Or are you sure that's what God's saying to you? You know, God works through other people to encourage us or to redirect us. Right? As Stacy and I were trying to figure out you know, what that was going to look like, exactly, we were, it was, man, just through some comments that a pastor or professor shared, you know, we decided to go down to seminary in Kansas City. While, while there, we're attending a, a church plant, a new church meeting in a middle school, and then like this random class in between semesters that I took about starting new churches, those things and the conversations we were having with people guided us down the path of being part of starting a new church. And, and then it's like, okay, so where? Where do we start a new church, right? There's, there's you know, the whole world, and uh, where do we go? And God opened some doors, closed some doors. Sometimes God works that way, right, to, to direct us. And maybe you've prayed that way before, right? God opened the right doors, and we closed the wrong ones, you know? Guide me just by providing opportunities. And for us, there, for me anyway, I don't think it was for you, but I think for us, there was never like a voice out of the sky that said, Valparaiso is where you must go, you know? You know there, there wasn't that. You know, but we had an openness to go to the different places that God might send us. And we had a couple of different options on the table. And, you know, for us, it was kind of like, okay, let's make a little pro-con list. Let's see what would it mean going here? What would it mean going there? And, and praying for God to give us wisdom and just kind of guide us. And felt like God gave us wisdom to make a wise choice. And then once we had chosen that we were coming here, then God did, we felt like God did all kinds of things to kind of confirm that for us. Um, we... Uh, we have like one day to try to find a house. The first day that we're here visiting Kansas City, we find the house, perfect house for us, we, and make an offer, and, and it's accepted, you know, in one day. We weren't expecting that. You know, we, we move here, and Stacy is able to get a teaching job in Valparaiso right away, which was unheard of, uh, at least at the time. I don't know how things have changed now, but at the time, you just didn't walk in and get a, get a teaching job. And God provided a job for her. Um, God kept, kept opening doors and confirming that we were on the right path. We had friends, Dan and Sherry, that God spoke very differently 
to them the way God you know worked and uh, they helped us start this church they were volunteers um, they were at our parent church my dad's church in Portage at the time and and um, they decided they wanted to help us and they were volunteering they were helping lead stuff with kids and and uh, he was working up at the mill and which meant that because of his schedule he could only be here like every other week and and they felt like God was leading them to for him to leave his job at the mill so they could be with us every Sunday and, and they were gonna they we're going to open a, a daycare in their home, a Christian daycare. And, and they felt like God was calling them to do this. And, and they end up calling us up and, hey, can you guys come over? And, and they tell us this and that they feel like God's calling them to do this. And we're like, oh, okay, well, are you sure? Have you thought about it? Pray. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been praying about it for a while. And every time for them, it was just a sense of peace when they thought about doing what they felt like God was calling them to do. They're like, we just feel real peace. Like, yes, that's what God wants us to do. And every time they thought about delaying or putting it off, because it wasn't like the right time of year to start a daycare or anything else. And they were like, every time we think about delaying or waiting until then, it just, we just feel uneasy. We just feel like, oh, that's not what we should do. So can you guys be with us while, we, while I call and tell them I'm not coming back in? And they're like, oh, you're doing it tonight. Oh, wow, good grief. Okay, sure, Dan. You know, he was calling his boss right then, putting in his two weeks and using his vacation. He wasn't going back to work. He was done. Because God was using that kind of that gut feeling of like having real sense of peace or real sense of unease that was how God guided them and then they were sitting in a in a meeting a church meeting and and a, uh, the guy speaking was talking about the need in the Pacific Northwest and how few people there go to church and Dan and Sherry both in that moment like God spoke to them and said oh I think we're needed there and the Spirit just spoke to them and helped them to feel like that's where we need to go and they they made plans and they got people together and they moved out to Washington State to start a church and even then, they like how God got, they, they were looking at an old paper map of, uh, of Washington State and looking like, oh, where should we go? And God, they're just like a, a city on a map, kind of stood out to them for no particular reason, right? Other than like, we feel like we should go there. So they traveled there to visit. And while there, they realized, nope, it's not here. <laughs> we do not connect with the needs that are here. We, have, we are totally unprepared for the needs that are in this community but there's this community right down the road, and that's where they started their church in Kennewick, Washington. And they've been there for like 15, 17 years now and doing great things, serving the poor, loving their neighbors. God works in different ways for all of us. Are you open to the ways God might speak to you? Are you, are you listening for his Holy Spirit to guide you? Just a couple other verses, and we, we got we to wrap this thing up. God does have a destination in mind for you and for me. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, 29, the very next verse, 8, 28 was, uh, you know, in all things, God works for the good, those who love him. The very next verse says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It's like he decided in advance he has a destiny for you, a destination for you. And that destination is to look like Jesus. I included the message paraphrase of that passage. It says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The sun stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. As I think about the whole destination and route, ultimately, I think what God cares most about, more than what job you get, even more than who you marry, or more than a lot of the things that we spend a lot of time rightly concerned about and want to make wise decisions, right? I think what God wants most for you is that you reach the destination of living like Jesus, of having a life that looks like his. And he can get you to that destination. He will use your entire life to help shape you and mold you and help you to look like God created you to look, to live like God created you to live, a life that looks like 
Jesus. That is the destination that I think God cares most about. Whatever job you end up doing, whatever relationships you end up in, uh, whatever you do for fun on the weekend, I think what, what God cares most about for each and every one of us, the destination that he most wants to make sure we land in is a life that looks like his. A life that <laughs> receives grace from him and extends grace to others. A life that looks like Jesus. So for all of us, as we pray for God's direction for ourselves, for the church, for our families, for those we care about, um, as, we, as we seek to follow him, these, these verses from Proverbs chapter 3 just kind of kept coming to mind. I wanted to leave you with them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. God is a God who can be trusted to set the direction for our lives and to get us all the way there. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to, to show us what life is supposed to look like, what a human life should be. It can be. As we allow your Holy Spirit to change us and to, to shape us, to, to guide us, to strengthen us. Thank you, God, that when we were stuck in the mess that we had made of our lives, the, the, the sins that we had committed and our, and our refusal to do the good things that you had for us, God, instead of condemning us, you loved us. And you sent your son, Jesus. You, again, you shined your light into our darkness. And in Jesus Christ, you conquered sin and death and the devil through his death and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, out of love for us, and out of obedience to your heavenly Father, thank you for being willing to do this work for us so that today we can receive this free gift of grace, so that today we can find our, our sins forgiven. We can receive the gift of your Holy Spirit to transform us, to guide us, to lead us. Thank you, God. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you for this sacrament of Holy Communion that, that you instituted, Jesus, as you gathered with your disciples and took that bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. You took the cup and you said, drink this. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Today, as we come to your table, Lord Jesus, we, we offer you ourselves, acknowledging our need of your grace, acknowledging our brokenness, our need of your healing, admitting, acknowledging the ways that our sin has brought death to ourselves, to others, and, and God, we need your life. We need to live by your Holy Spirit, and then we need you to guide us so that we can keep in step with your Spirit as we navigate our way through this life you've given us. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace that you give to each and every one of us. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Uh, Hannah's going to come back and lead us in a song that I, I think you recognize uh, as we celebrate communion together. As we sing, I'll be here with a, a basket of bread and a cup of juice, and you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free and, and, the, and the little containers, if you'd rather use one of those. Or if, uh, if you don't want to join the procession to get that close to folks, we've got those on the tables. And uh, as we sing, you can, you can peel it back and, and eat the bread and peel it back and, and eat the juice. But uh, however you choose to participate today, uh, this sacrament is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus, to all of us who are hungry for his grace, who are grateful for his love. So let's celebrate today.
will soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me Thank you for your amazing grace that you have given to each and every one of us. Thank you for the gift of love you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who fills us, who guides us, who empowers us to live a life of love here in the world. Please, God, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ so that we might live in the world as the body of Christ, as your sons and daughters, as your hands and your feet. Thank you, God. We are trusting that you will lead us well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.